What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to uh, it's the show. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies Legion 122-121 to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not even going to say anything about the game other than I just talked about the score. I'm going to pass it off to you guys early on because I think everybody and their brother that has listened to this show knows exactly what I'm going to talk about tonight. And if you don't, don't worry. You will, you will get it here in just a little bit. So, Candace, let's go to you first. Number one reason the Memphis Grizzlies lost this game last night to the Lakers. Coaching. Coaching. I put it over. I, I put everything on the overarching uh, coaching. I think uh, there were some things that Taylor Jenkins did in the beginning of that first half that I think were working, and he sort of went away from it. So, for example, Stephen Adams was absolutely dominant. I'm um, in the first half of that game, and for, for whatever reason, it just kind of went away from that, despite that, you know, dominant mismatch. Uh, another thing I think they went away from was uh, Jared Jackson Jr. was the primary – well, no, actually, they were kind of switching off on LeBron James, both he and Dylan Brooks. But I think between giving LeBron different looks, and uh, that was part of it, but I also just think that Jared probably, between the two, had the – better position um I think he guarded LeBron a little bit better just in the sense of no he wasn't harassing LeBron as much but because of the size mismatch LeBron could bump Dylan off his spot and kind of get to where he wanted to go or you know get a foul but for whatever reason Taylor Jenkins opted to go with uh Dylan in the second half completely I mean every now and then I'd see a switch on Jaron Jackson Jr. on LeBron but it and even then, it wasn't successful. So I don't understand why they went away from that. They decided to put Jaron back in that free safety role, which was not good for him in this particular matchup because you got veterans in the paint who kind of knew how to draw fouls from him. Uh, they knew how to avoid blocks in a way that would get him in foul trouble. And Dylan got in foul trouble just because LeBron could get him off a spot. And so he would go to the end of a foul trouble as well. You lose both of them. Um, I think that 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 was a critical era. Um I disagree with rotations. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Some of those rotations weren't good for me. And uh, even that final play, I, I, I maybe Isaac will have a different opinion. We'll see. But I, I don't that, understand that, why you have two final play. Mm. Yeah, two point guards yeah. on, on the court, man. And I don't understand why the ball was in Bane's hands. I just, what was the point of two point guards if you weren't going to take advantage of having two point cards. This is my biggest issue with that play. Sorry, Isaac. I know I'm talking over you. I'm going to throw it back to you. I don't give a flying crap how good your star player is. Do not care. Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever play this game. When you're shooting a last second shot as a coach, you don't give your best player the ball and say, go get me a bucket. You draw up a freaking play. And they didn't. They did. There was no screens for him. There was nothing. They got him the ball out on the top of the key and everybody spread out. Go get me a bucket. 12. The defense knew what you were doing. Set a screen, do something, do anything other than go get me a bucket. 12. Yeah. Most of the time, the the majority of the time that that may work for you, but in games like this, I, I think yeah the Lakers are way down in the standings, but this is a team that knows how to close games. So you have to close the games. And right there, what Taylor Jenkins done was put the ball in John Moran's hands, said hey here you go go do it, and he failed. It was not a terrible look. It was not a great look. If they had drawn up a play, there's no doubt in my mind that you could have got something way better, way more efficient than the look that John Morant got. 
I don't care if you disagree with me. That's fine. You can be mad at me, but that's just my feelings on it. Oh, I actually meant the play where, where Bang got the ball stolen. But yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I just I just meant that final play where they, they had the 7.5 7, 7. seconds left. And I, I, it, it goes back to your point, though. There wasn't a play ran for that. Because if you look at the screenshot, yeah, Bang's trapped in the corner. But who's his outlet? Like, who yeah. is he supposed to be outletting to? Even I knew they were going to trap because uh, Darvin Ham told the, the referees that they were going to be trapping. So I, I, I could go. I'm, I'm, I have a lot more to say, but I want to give Isaac an opportunity to to chime in there. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just an absolute brutal loss. I mean, just you can't lose that game in that situation. I mean, just situational basketball. I mean, you just talk about everything. 14 missed free throws is a big issue. As Candace said, and you guys have kind of alluded to the coaching down the stretch, several things. Uh, you know the saying, let Russ cook. That's exactly what the Grizzlies decided to do last night, man. You <laughs> keep in con- Contra on him. I mean, he was just killing Contra uh, those minutes. And I think he left and let that go too long. You talk about Jaron and Dylan, both guarding LeBron James. I think, like Candace said, I think Jaron did a much better job. Uh, Dylan got in foul trouble because you said, man, keep bumping him off the spots. And he just stayed with that too long, I think. I think he waited too long to bring Steven Adams back in the fourth quarter. Uh, just a lot of stuff. And, and and you talked about that last play, David, well, going to jaw. You see that in, in when they do these things, like you said, they, they don't set any screens. They don't do anything. It's just jaw dribble to the top of the key and just create something. Like just and, do something to, to get to the basket. And I, I and they, and the team know that they're sitting on that. They know yeah. that's what you're going to. And that's what we saw, man. Brandon Clark got the foul. And I hate those situations because unless it's like a, Really, really great free throw shooter. Like if it had been Tyus or somebody, I would have felt better. I was like, there's no way Brandon's making both of those free throws. I knew he wasn't going to make both of them. Um, but just a just a tough loss, man. And like I said, people want to talk about the, the refereeing, the fouls and stuff down the stretch. And there were definitely some questionable calls down there. But you shouldn't. they should have never been in that situation for, yeah, for that to right. even matter. That's the issue that I've been telling people all day. People coming up with excuses, excuses. I'm like, man. You're an elite basketball team. You got an inferior team. You're up, what were they up? Eight with, uh, I can't even remember what the time ago, but I think they were up eight. Yeah, like a minute left. You're up eight points. Yeah, and you end up losing a basketball game. You just can't do that. I mean, you're in a race with Denver, a Denver team who refuses to lose. It's just just a tough loss, and you already had a a tough five-game road trip here, and that's, on paper, this is probably the easiest game of the trip, and you drop this one right out of the gate. Now you're Looking at this back-to-back uh, at Phoenix, which you know they're going to try to get at you. You kind of beat them up a couple of times. They came in, FedEx Forum beat you, beat you up, but you just beat them this week. Uh, back-to-back with Sacramento, they're playing really well. Then you got the Warriors. You know that's going to be a tough one. And then at, at the Timberwolves, they always want to beat you really bad as well. So it's just not a loss that you you want to take. But I mean, there's a lot of negatives that they can take out of this. A lot of people, players can look at themselves in the mirror. To the Jenkins coaching staff can look at themselves in the mirror and find. You can find fault pretty much all the way around uh, with this game. Outside of Stephen Adams and, and and Brandon Clark, those are really the two Tyus. only guys that, that Tyus, yeah, that that outside of that job with twenty nine shots, you nine of twenty nine, not not knocking down anything, just continuing to shoot. Dylan was taking some bad shots there late as well. The shot selection was not great. Just just a bad loss. Um, I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. I mean, a lot of people are trying to make it excuses for it, man, but this is just. A bad loss. I mean, it's it's one loss. Uh, like you said, it's not in the grand scheme going to kill you or anything. But I think it just brought to light a lot of issues that are sometimes masked when they're 
in these blowout wins. Yeah, I think we, we were talking, we've been talking kind of off and on about um, Dylan versus Jaron, Garden, LeBron. Um, I actually had the stats. I wanted to see because I was like, I feel like they overall they done a great job guarding LeBron. Last yeah, they night. did a pretty good job. Yeah, overall he was sure. he was two for ten. LeBron was two for ten. Both when the free throws was that... his final defender, and he was two for six from the field. Whenever Dylan Brooks was his final defender, the thing that I I think that Jaron is a better matchup. I know you have to give different looks. I understand that, but when Dylan Brooks was guarding when as with Dylan Brooks as the final defender, the Lakers shot four for 12 from the field for 33%. LeBron was, I, I don't remember what he finished, but I, hold on. I can pull it up right here. I got it. Um, it was he was eight for 21. So that's uh, around 40 ish percent. He's shooting 51% on the year. So you're seeing a, a pretty big drop off from him based off of what they were doing defensively. But the the Lakers did not make a single three pointer when Dylan Brooks was the final defender on that three point attempt, and so I, I think if you leave him to guard somebody else because of LeBron being the kind of, being able to push him off, there's not many guys that are going to push him off of his marks. LeBron can do that, and so because that matchup is tough, maybe shift him somewhere else. I don't know with Dylan's mindset. I don't know that he's going to be receptive to that because he wants that challenge, and most of the time he's up for it. He still played 30 minutes last night, but in the crunch time when you needed him, that's when he picks up that last foul and and you lose him for that last part of the game, and I think that could have made the difference. Him being on the floor rather than being on the bench for the six fouls could have made the difference whether the Grizzlies win or lose this game. Yeah, Yeah. Well, I was just going to say real quick, you know, to your point, even if Dylan isn't receptive to that, then stick with the first play, the first half plan. Let them split the time and just continue to do that throughout the game. Because, I I mean, I think there was an advantage in that, just in fact that LeBron had to continue to keep adjusting from player to player, you know, what his plan. For Dylan, he got a plan and he stuck to it and it worked. You know, you you switch him up with Jaron Jackson and that same plan doesn't work. Got to make him work even harder try to defend two of the top 10, I mean, well, maybe not top 10, but top defenders in this league. Um, and I think that would have been fair. And I think Dylan obviously would have been receptive to that because he was in the first half. Yeah, and I was going to say, Dylan talked about it after the game that basically his strategy was to make him go left. Um, he said LeBron didn't want to go left, and he was just forcing him to go left all night. But as you said, overall, they did a really good job on him. I mean, his numbers got inflated with the free throws late in the game because I think he only had, I think, I want to say 13, maybe, I don't know, going into the fourth. I mean, he, he kind of exploded with the free throws. That's why his kind of final numbers look a lot better. You see, how many free throws did he hit? Um, uh, six or seven. Yeah, I think, it, and a lot, I think a lot of those were probably in the fourth quarter. But yeah. I would say the majority of those were probably in the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, Westbrook is really why they won this game. Um, and I, I tweeted about this during the game. I mean, what the defend that, that Lakers offense is like frustrating as hell because they just do a lot of weird stuff. There's like a lot of like Westbrook and, and Schroeder. Uh, they do a lot of like exaggerated dribbling and like the move, the way they move it. it it's kind of hard to guard because they're like, you never know is wild. Like you don't know where it's going to end up. And a lot of times they end up getting good shots off of that. I'm like, it was so frustrating trying to watch them guard the stuff because a lot of times they do this stuff and they're not, they don't even really have a plan. They just do it. And you're, 
thinking Westbrook gets in the paint. He's like dribbling hard. You think, oh, well, I got a key in on him. Um, and then he's not really doing anything. Then he kicks it out. You leaving guys wide open. Um, I mean, the perimeter defense has been an issue. And a weird thing about this game is the Lakers are a team. They're, I think, in the top five in pace, but they forced the Grizzlies to try to execute out the half court a lot in this game. I mean, you would expect these these two teams to like to get up and down. You would expect that, but I think Darvin Ham had a pretty good plan in this game to kind of try to slow the Grizzlies down uh, because the Grizzlies had to execute a lot out of the half court in this game. And as we know, they're not comfortable doing that at all. I mean, it's a mess at times when this team has to create offense in, in, in the half court because they just they don't have they don't have shooters. They just it's just not when they're not getting up and down, you're missing, they're getting offensive rebounds, putbacks. When they have to execute in the half court, it's it's a problem. Um and, and that's what it's gonna be like in playoff basketball. And I mean, we'll see what happens, but I think I don't see any improvements from last year. I know Candace has talked about this as well. And for a team that went into the offseason making it an emphasis saying we're gonna draft, we're gonna bring in more shooting, we wanna be better in the half court, they have not really improved in that area. And I think that's that's my biggest concern right now as far as if you ask me what the issue is with this team, I think that's the biggest concern because when you get in the playoffs, you get a really good team, they know what the Grizzlies like to do and they're going to shut that down. I mean, you can in on a specific team, you know what their weaknesses are in and out, and that's going to be going to be an issue. In order for them to win on a high level, they're going to have to do a better job of executing in the half court. And, and the question is, do they have the personnel to be any better? Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I'm I'm gonna be hard on Taylor Jenkins today. I will I will say this. I think he is a good coach. He is, but there are areas with which he needs to grow, and I'm I'm concerned about if he will grow in those areas. And, and you don't know until it happens. So that is what that is. But yeah, there were a couple other things, you know, in regards to the half court. Yes, they absolutely need more shooting, but he could help out his players a lot more. Uh, yeah, he, he can help out those players a whole lot more with actually running sets because they just after after the high pick and roll, it's just kind of whoever gets the ball. That's it. The yeah, just get a bucket. Pretty yeah. much to me, that's five. That's figure it, it out. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much what what it is. That's Bain, it. So Bain took a shot late, and I tweeted about it. He 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 got the ball, and it was a yeah. rushed. Yeah, I know the shot you're talking about. And you, yeah. you had the lead there. I'm like, why? When he's talking yeah, shots, I'm like, why did you like, that? I, I don't want to complain about Desmond Bain taking shots. He's, he's yeah, he's an unbelievable shooter. shooter. Yeah, but I'm like, dude, but come on, man. Not it, that situation of basketball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think some of that is youth. The the youth is really while this team is kind of tried and tested, you know, they've kind of been through you know the they went from the losing the play in game to you know facing the warrior, like like they they've been through the progression and I'm kind of getting stuff out of whack there, but you know, they've been through the progression of, okay, they've got some experience, even though they're young, it's still a young team. And that shot that he took right there, it was, it was a bad shot. If he knocks it down. Okay, great. Yeah. Like that's a three, but it's still a bad shot. It's early in the shot clock. There was no ball movement. The offense did not run. It was him. Very quick release. He has that. That's fine. But it was a, a highly contested three point shot, and it definitely ill advised, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and a question that I had was, what happened to the Taylor Jenkins that would ride the hot hand? Because that was a thing. I mean, really, his first two years, but this year it just seems like whose ever turn it is is whose turn it is. Yeah. That yeah. John Contra had no business being in that game with four minutes at all. No. <laughs> business being in that game and, and quite frankly neither did Zaire 
But if you, I, I, I mean, both of them had issues, really. But between the two, Zaire at least offered you length over John Conchar. It just, just, just weird, man. Weird decisions. And like I said, he's progressed in that way. That was one of the things that I, I used to to commend him for was his ability to ride the hot hand. And this team still has that. You know, it's not ego. It's not. So I, I don't understand why this rotation has to be this rotation, and there's no middle ground. I mean, David Roddy would have been really yeah. cool in this game, and and he was nowhere to be found. And that's a decision. I feel like last year, I actually feel like we may would have saw a David Roddy. I mean, he's a rookie now, obviously, but I mean, in theory, based off how he used to coach, I, I don't understand what's changed. Yeah, it is weird because there have been times this season where he stuck with Roddy when he probably shouldn't have. And, and now, like you said, like, and I was thinking, where is David Roddy? Like, why is Sunshar in the game right now? And we've, like you said, we've seen him do this. He did it with Zaire last year. We've seen him do it sometimes with Roddy, but now it just seems like he's 100% on schedule. Like, whatever the, ro- the rotation, what this guy normally does, that's what he does. Doesn't matter what's going on in the game, how much you're down by, whether you need, need your star players in the game. They're not coming in until it's time for their rotation time to come in. And and I, and I talked about that on, on the last podcast that we did. It's just he doesn't really – there's no feels to his coaching. He's very methodical um, in, in the way that he approaches the game. And, and sometimes, man, you just – you can't do the same thing. Every, games are different. The script is not always going to be the same. And that, I mean, is a concern uh, uh, for, for – like I said, I know Taylor Jenkins is a young coach, and we have to kind of put it in perspective that this team is still young, but kind of David alluded to, they've been – kind of tested now like I, I don't love that people continue to use the oh we're just young we're young we're young like how long are you going to use that like I mean I mean this team was close to being in the Western Conference Finals last year I mean they're back back at the top of the West now I mean they had a play-in game out in Golden State when it won that game to go to playoffs I mean they've been in some moments like it's not like this is team is super green and they're super young and, and they they haven't experienced anything eventually man you have to get past that excuse of them being young. I know age-wise they are, but most of these guys that have had some experiences in the league, and I think you got the mature past to just we're young now. I mean, you can't continue to use that as an excuse for years and years. Especially next, if you're still talking about we're young next year, man, I'm not I'm not hearing it at all. Like, that's, yeah. that's an excuse that we need to get past. Yeah, and, and, and I'd be fine if we saw a little bit of progress. I, I think my point is, and what I was trying the the shot that Bain took was a shot that a young player takes. Somebody that that yeah. does not recognize where they're at at that moment in the game, and they take that shot. I I don't think he should be at, at with the experience that he has at this point in the playoff series, and that with yeah, the experience been in the big he has, game. yeah, like it, it shouldn't. He shouldn't be taking that shot in that situation. Maybe I'm giving him credit because of his age, but that's a youth shot. With the experience he has, he shouldn't be taking it. I, I agree with you there for a hundred percent. Yeah, I was shocked when he shot. I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? Like, I, I was like, uh, when he when he first shot, I was like, okay, well, he does make these shots, but when he didn't go in, I'm like, what are, What are you doing? Like, and I mean, plenty of time on the shot clock. I mean, it's just way early. Like, I, I it was just a bad shot, and and that's uncharacteristic of uh, of him. I mean, this team a lot of times, man, they execute really well and last night was just piss poor like all the way around like pretty much that entire fourth quarter was just terrible execution uh from from the Grizzlies I mean just got out coached 
and Taylor Jenkins shouldn't be getting out coached by Darvin Ham. Like that shouldn't shouldn't be happening. And we don't talk about him as a coach of the year candidate and everything. And I hate to pile on of uh, on Taylor Jenkins because he does a lot of things well. I mean, just the fact that this team is where they are this quickly. I mean, the the way that they continue to win when guys are out, the player development. I mean, they do a lot of things fantastically. But I mean, there there are definitely some areas where he hasn't seen really seem to grow in at all. And, and Candace kind of said it on Twitter, maybe even regressed um, in some areas from last year. We kind of talked about uh, as far as, as uh, keeping the hot hand in the game and going with the hot hand. We kind of saw that last year. And, and here lately, especially in their losses, you really haven't seen that. Um, and, and it's weird for him to be regressing at this point because, I mean, you expect growth year in and year out, especially when you're talking about a young coach. I mean, you expect to see – to get better and better every year and you don't expect to see any regression and i think there has been some regression uh for for taylor jenkins and, I, and again man i just hate to pile on because i think i'm a big fan of his and thinks he does a lot of things great but you just have to call it like it is and, and that's what we're seeing i definitely saw it last night i had a question for you guys something i've been wondering about i wanted to get you guys opinion on it as of this i've been waiting all year to see if it improves but as of this year John's been not just normal in the fourth quarter, but like bad in the fourth quarter, like he, like most inefficient in the fourth quarter. And I have a, a you know kind of a running theory. I know he plays that whole third now, which which he never used to do, and I don't know if that affects it or if I don't know is that when he runs the when generally when he is in the third quarter, he doesn't have this much. I don't, Help, I guess he has to expend more energy, but what do you guys have thoughts on that, or, or do you guys see it that way, or see it differently? I think some of it is teams like after it, it's Isaac and I were talking about uh, quarterbacks, and I know this is a basketball podcast, but just bear with me. I, I'll get around to my point. We were talking about quarterbacks and how you see a young quarterback get starts and have success early. And then once film gets out on them, defenses figure out what they need to do to stop them. And then they kind of come back to earth. Now, John Morant talent wise is not like a young quarterback. He he's extremely talented. And so it's a like this parable is a little bit of a fail in that manner. But I think a lot of the reason that you see kind of that that the fall down this year is more because the defenses know it's been the same thing. If you go back and you watch, okay, what are they going to do? They're going to give the ball to John Moran and let him create. Now, he is elite. He may be the best player in the NBA at creating space and and getting his own shot. But when the defense knows what you're going to do, it it just makes it so much easier to guard. If you're standing in the batter's box as a, as a baseball player and you know that a fastball is coming, you can set on it and you can smash it. If you're setting back as a defense and you're like, okay, they're not going to set a ball screen. They're not going to run him off of a double baseline screen. They're not going to run a pin down. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do a set. They're going to get him the ball at the top of the key. He's going to destroy my defender at the top of the key. All we have to do is help and make this shot hard on him. Maybe it falls, maybe it doesn't. Would, but we'll take that. We know that we're going to help because he is going to go to get his own shot. We know that he's going to kill our first defender because nobody's going to stay in front of him. We have to help that guy. That's what that's that's the recipe to stopping him. In the last seconds, 
and even even not in the last seconds. Like when Ja is taking over the game, they do a lot of isolation ball. And this is not I don't want to, I don't want any of you guys coming at me saying, Oh, you're you're bad mouthing Ja. He is absolutely and freaking credible. And and I've said multiple times on this podcast, he's one of the best players in the league. But even the best players in the league need their teammates to, to one man cannot beat a, an entire other team. And I think that because of the coaching not running the sets, because of the way that they're handling things, you're seeing teams be able to adjust to what he is able to do. And he's still successful. Look at his numbers this year. He's still having success. But I think that that number has been brought back down because the film is out on it. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. I mean, I think all you have to do, other teams, opposing teams have to do is watch the tape from the Minnesota series last year and saw how Minnesota guarded him. I mean, you just crowd him. And I think people know, uh, like like we've said, there's not much, I don't know what the word I'm talking to, I'm trying to the, the, when the, the offensively in the fourth quarter, when Jaws going off, it's basically just isolation. It's just basically, I'm better than you. I'm quicker than you. You can't stay in front of me. I'm I'm just gonna I'm fearless. I'm just gonna get past you and go to the paint. And teams know that, and they crowd the paint. He's gonna get past that first guy. You're not guarding him one on one, but once he gets to the paint, he just crowd the paint and makes it tough for him. Um, I also think now that he's he's inconsistent from the free throw line. So that that's been an issue when he gets to the free throw line. He's getting fouled. He's missing free throws. That's been an issue as well. Um, and I, I just think the film is out on him, and they. There's not complexity is the word that I was trying to come to. Not a lot of complexity to their offense when they kind of go to the go get me a bucket shot. Pretty much that's what it is. He stands out and dribbles, dribbles shot clock down and tries to make a drive to the basket with four seconds left on the shot clock. And teams know that's what they're going to do. So they're, they're game planning for that. They're selling out for that. Um, and, and in those moments, you have to get more. Ja has to get more people involved. Last night he was just forcing it when it wasn't going um, and continued to to take shots and and, as, and I think on that last play that's what we saw. I mean they knew what was coming. Um, I mean that they knew that they were it was going on one on one job isolation and that's exactly what you got and they were ready for it. It's he's he's unbelievable. Uh, so a lot of times he's still going to have a lot of success. I mean you look at his numbers overall, uh, it's still fantastic. But I think when you we talk about those four quarter numbers or quote clutch numbers, I think the reason why they're down is just that I think teams have figured out that. What, that they're just going to go to job one-on-one and they still have to stop it. Um, and I think uh, sometimes he's going to have success. You see some games where he's still able to do that, but teams are going to sell out to try to stop that. And he's so good that a lot of times he's able to still have some success doing it, but sometimes teams are going to be able to, to kind of bottle him up a little bit. And I think that's what we saw last night and we've seen in some other games this year. Yeah, I think we've seen Desmond Bain emerge as more of a closer this year. Yeah, um, definitely. In this fourth quarter, Ja was one of seven, uh, zero for three, and he had one assist, uh, two points. But Desmond Bain, on the other hand, was two for five, uh, one of one or two from the three point line, seven points. Um, so we've seen him kind of emerge as that guy. And I don't mind that because you, I mean, you want to have two guys that can close. That's a, that's ultimately a good thing. You just don't want one to sacrifice the other, and hopefully that can um uh, that can change as season progresses. And sometimes when, when, when oh sorry. No, you go ahead, man. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, like sometimes when you see that it's not working, you can't continue to to continue to do the same thing. And I, I think we saw a lot of that last night when Ja realized shots not falling, they're 
the crowd in the paint, you you got to kick it out, man, and and find some other get some other guys involved. You can't keep forcing it. And I think last night we saw a lot of that, just trying to force feed Ja uh, late in the game. And and I mean that's just not a recipe for success. I mean I know he's awesome, and I know you want your star player to make these amazing plays, but sometimes, man, you have to just, just realize, okay, man, this tonight is not working. Like we got to do something different. And I thought last night he just continued to. to there was a lot of bad shots from him. There's no question about it. I hate to pile on John. We know he's awesome. Uh, we all love him. We we know how special he is. But just a lot of, I think, force, forcing stuff last night that when he really shouldn't have. Yep. I think at the end of the day, you want the ball in your best player's hands in those crunch time moments. So in the fourth quarter, you want John Morant with the ball in his hands. But you have you, you build a team when you're a GM, you're you're looking at these pieces and you're like, okay, th- these are my core pieces and I'm going to look to find pieces that plug in well next to this guy. So you build a team around a guy in order to have success. So use those pieces. There, there's still some things I think that we we all agree that there's something missing here that and, and maybe that piece is Danny Green. I, I don't know if you all saw the the clip of him warming up. You know, shooting threes there at the the what at crypto dot com the staple center. <laughs> I don't. It's been the staple center forever. I'm sticking with it. But you know, he, he was putting up shots, and so then you get the questions: When is he coming back? Maybe Danny Green is that piece. Maybe Danny Green is that wing defender that can shoot the three that makes the difference in the half court for them. But you you have to. You want Ja making decisions, but you want other guys around him that can make those shots. And, and there were plenty of times where Zaire, I, I don't know how, let me look, I'll pull up the box score here, but Zaire had a couple of wide open catch and shoot threes, and it, it looked awful, man. It looked like a right handed person was trying to shoot a three left handed with a blindfold on. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he missed one so bad. I was like, man, yeah, and Zaire, what's yeah, up? Sa- Santi, I there was one that Santi missed, and I'm like, whoo, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. was that? So, so you need your role players to be just that, like they have to fit in their roles, and and we've been fairly negative because this was just a brutal loss. There's still a ton of positive, right? They they just came off of an 11 game win streak. They're a half game back for first place in the West. It's, there's it's still plenty of basketball. Like th- there's a lot of area between now and the playoffs for this team to grow. But these games sting. They should have won this game. This should have been a team record, 12 wins in a row. They should be moving on to their next game with an opportunity to win 13 in a row. And because of issues closing, we've discussed closing on the podcast. We think that that's an issue for this team. It's crazy. It shouldn't be because you have Desmond Bain with the ability to do that. You have John Morant with the ability to do that. You have Jaron Jackson with the ability to do that on the defensive end of the floor. And Dylan Brooks with the ability to do that on the defensive end of the floor. So you have guys, you have the pieces to make that happen. But closing has been an issue for them this year, whether that's it's them getting a big lead and then letting other teams come back. Or you look at this game that ended up getting close. You missed some free throws late. A lot of errors in last night's game. I, I didn't even mention the referees. You, you, What's the total free? 81 free throws last night between these two teams. 
And then that's insane. There should never be 81 free throw shot in an NBA game. They were blowing the whistle entirely too much, but I, I think that they have a couple guys that can be in the right places that can play the role, but you have to, you have to have somebody orchestrating. You have to have the coaching staff saying, this is what we need to do and not just here it is, go out and get your shot because at this level, you're not going – you can win in the regular season like that, but you will not win a championship playing the game like that. Absolutely not. And I, I, the first round playing like that. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, as bad as they've been in a, in a half court, you get the wrong matchup. I mean, like I, I'm not going to say this team's going to lose in the first round, but we saw I me mean, we saw last year um, against Minnesota how much trouble they had in that series. And you could – that series could have easily went the other way. Like, I, I I know it ended up being with 4-2, but that series was a lot closer. I mean, the Grizzlies had to come back and win a lot of those games. I mean, Minnesota had them on a rope in, in, a, in a few of those games, and the Grizzlies were able to pull out. But another thing that they still – they still don't do a good enough job of taking advantage of mismatches with Jaron. Like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't – you see what he can do <laughs> offensively, and it's just like they – you don't – they don't want to know. They don't want him plays for him. Like, I, I don't understand that. I mean, he's – Pretty much unstoppable in most matchups. I mean, they don't call him a unicorn for nothing. Like you see some of the things that he does, man. He, he's unguardable at times, and he's a, they just don't don't run the plays for him. It's been better this year than it's been in the past, but it's still not not, not even close to where it should be. Eight field goal attempts from last night. Like I just I don't understand that, man. He's too talented. I mean, I, we we know what he does on the, on the defensive end, and people get on him for about for his offense. But I mean, he he he, he can score. It's, it's it's not him. He's just you got to get the attempts, but you got to scheme for him to, to to get more shots, and that's just hasn't been an emphasis on this team for this team. And I don't. That's still probably the biggest question that I've had offensively for this team. That's been the biggest one. It just seems like they don't value him offensively, and I don't I don't understand why. I, I don't get it. Him and Steve almost had the same amount of attempts. Steve had seven. Meanwhile, Dylan Brooks had seventeen, second highest on the team. More than Desmond Bain. It's crazy. And and you don't need that. You know, we we talked about Dylan's value and what he brings to this team on the defensive end of the floor, but he doesn't need to be your second in in shot attempts, especially on a night when he's not shooting the ball. That's what I'm saying. There are nights where he's cooking. And on those nights, okay, take take the shots, but he takes them in most games. I don't care whether he's on or not. And that's just not what you want from him. He should be defense first all the time. If he, Gets in the game, you see he's knocking down his shots. Okay, you can take a few more, but last night, like he was just missing front rim and shot, even front rim one from the free throw line. And I'm like, that's not something to use to see for him. And he was all the way off last night and just continued to shoot. And that's that's just not what you want. I mean, and he said, I, I, even on the nights where he's playing well, I don't, I still don't know if he should have more shots than that. Like that's that's just not the structure. The way this team is structured, that shouldn't be the case. And yeah. last night again, that was. Bad Dylan uh, last night. That's what we got. And, and I want to say on the Dylan's offensive end. On the yeah, offensive on the offensive end, end. yeah. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan has been doing better in that regard, especially when, when you know, our, our new big three, when they play, he had been doing better to this point. Yeah, but his usage was down. Went off. One thing I noticed, though, especially in last night's game, it wasn't all Dylan taking bad shots. Uh, they give the ball to Dylan a lot, especially when they're facing half-court situations. Ja would just bring it out of court and give it to Dylan, like a lot. 
and dealing with me. Some of them were wide open. Some of them were ill-advised shots. I, I'm not going to take that away. And I wonder, you know, his chemistry to to feed Dylan. I know they play a lot in the first and third. So maybe they have something to do with it in terms of rotation where Jai just doesn't get that chemistry and, and, and with with the, he doesn't play with Dez and, and Jaron as much, maybe. Uh, but it is something I noticed that it wasn't just Dylan taking the ball. Sometimes I was like, don't give him the ball. I understand why we, it, before we run a set, we're just passing the ball to Dylan. And that's what they did. Especially if you, if you give it to him, it's going up. Like he's yeah. he's, he's gonna he's gonna do his little dribbling. He's going up, man. That shot going up if you give it to him. Uh, so that's a that's an interesting point. Uh, just stop giving him the ball. Maybe that'll <laughs> that'll help because if he if he gets it, man, he 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 shot at me. He's gonna put it up. But and and to think about it, I, I, I hate to pile on Dylan because he's so important to this team on the defensive end and the effort that he puts in for this team and they feed off of him. But you just can't have him missing all these shots and continue to shoot. But like you said, man, maybe that's that's the strategy. I don't know. But John does have a tendency to, to favor him. Um, like Candace said, especially in half-court situations because he just gets the ball and they just get out of the way and let him let him cook, I guess. He creates because he can he can create, but the thing about it is the shots have to fall. And a lot of times they're not. Last night they weren't. Yeah. So I I can't do this show. I, I know that we, we've mentioned a little bit. But I can't not talk about free throws. You guys know that that's my thing. Thank you, Bell. And and this is this is a perfect example of why they are so important. Twenty six of 65 percent from the the free throw line. They're the worst free throw shooting team in the league right now. And I, go ahead and and holler at me and say, break. well, they got Stephen Adams. People take, people always say his, that, but it's, it's take not his just numbers Steven out, Adams. dude. You take Steven number here. I got I wrote it down. I done the math because I know that somebody well, they got Steven Adams. He's the worst shooter in the league. You're absolutely right. Take his numbers away. They're seven seventy-six out of a thousand and thirty. That's seventy-five percent. They're still in the bottom five in the league yeah. if you remove Steven Adams from the team. It's the entire team. It's not just Steven Adams. You John Morant's getting to the line a ton. He missed a lot of free throws last night. What, what he yeah. he missed? I'm sorry, he missed two free throws last night. Jaron missed one. Steve Sonny missed five. Missed. Oh, Brandon Clark missed four. Yeah, Sonny missed. Sonny Conte missed a few. Missed I know. Two. Like you, you can't miss 14 free throws. Yeah, it's there were nine nine free throws missed from you missed players that were again. not named Stephen Adams, and you 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 just can't have that. I think I. I worry about that. That's that's one of my largest concerns for this team is that they're going to get to the playoffs and they're going to lose a game, a critical game in a series because of their inability to make free throws. I mean, you missed tw- you missed 12 instead of 14, you win the game. You're yeah. terrible. You missed 12 and you win the basketball game. That's, and the people yeah. were talking about last night, oh, well, they missed 14. That was mostly Steven Adams. You take Steven Adams off, the rest of the team combined, they still only shot 71%. So it ain't it ain't just Steven Adams. Steven is bad. There's no question about that. But this is a pretty much a team effort with this. I mean, we've seen games where even they're good free throw shooters. I mean, Tyus Jones has missed some this year. Bain is gone. I remember I remember a game he missed like four in a row or something. Desmond Bain did. It's like it's contagious. Uh, when when you see those guys start missing, it seems like the whole team starts missing. And David said, man, you can't go in the playoffs shooting seventy one percent and in the seven low seventies from the free throw line. Like, it's just, you're going to lose basketball games because teams, 
teams know that. I mean, we've even started to see the the hacker Adams. I mean, they're putting putting it on the on the foul line. People know that this team struggles shooting from the free throw line. And when you're in close basketball games, those points matter. I mean, when you're playing against good teams, you need every point you can get. You just can't waste 14 points like that. Like even against a bad team, we saw that last night. How much that cost them? I mean, you miss 12 instead of 14, you win a basketball game. So that's and even 12 is terrible. Missing 12 wouldn't would have been much better. So. Yeah, man, that that's an issue. Uh, the free throw shooting, half court offense. I think those are two huge concerns, and those are paramount. Both of those things when it comes to playoff basketball. And to that point, get, Lee. I mean, get move, move about middle of the pack, man. If you get to where they're shooting 78, 78 you know, yeah, man, give me yeah, 78, like 79, 77, man. 78, 79 percent. That that's a pretty big difference in what you're scoring on a night to night basis. Yeah, it's it's another area with which I feel they've regressed for sure. But but the, the Lakers got a lot of flack for fouling like Bane and fouling Tyus when they did. And and enough, I get I get that criticism. But if you look at it overarching, they're a bad free throw. They're the worst free throw shooting team in the league. If you're playing the numbers, then the likelihood that somebody's going to miss. It, it, it really is just hack a grizzly. I mean, yeah, I was like, Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn got the memo. <laughs> I said, Kendrick Nunn got the memo for sure. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> just hack a grizzly. Like, just foul somebody and see if they make it. I mean, <laughs> he was just fouling everybody. <laughs> He's like Oprah out there. <laughs> but, 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 but seriously, I mean, it, it was, it were, it was bad fouls. I'm not arguing that it wasn't, but th- there is an argument to be made. I mean, if this trend continues, just foul somebody. And the likelihood they're going to miss at least one is high at this rate. I mean, it really is. But like I said, even our guards, like guys that have good percentages, there have been times, like I said, I was talking about Tyson Bain who have, have missed several free throws in, in, in games. It's just this weird. It's almost like it's contagious. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't. Outside of Stephen Adams, when you look at the personnel on his team, there is no reason for them to be that bad from the free throw line. Like I don't know what it is. Jog, we know how much work he puts in. Like, why is he struggling that much from the free throw line? Like, I don't I don't understand. We got guys that can shoot. Santi is a shooter. I know people talk about all oh, where they're on the move, and that's a, a set shot. But you're professional players, man. I, I, I've i never gotten how NBA players can be so bad from the free throw line. I don't I don't get it. And I, and I know they work on it. I, I'm sure that's something that they have put an emphasis on, on, on in practice. But for some reason, it's just not translating the games, man. I don't I, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's something that, you can't be the worst in the league. Like there, the personnel on this team, there's no reason for them to be the worst free throw shooting team in the league. Like I, I don't, I don't believe that. And maybe in John's case is that he's tired, and maybe he needs to practice more when he's tired. Like because sometimes that's just what you got to do. Like it's great to practice free throws and at ten o'clock in the morning, you know, when when you're up and you got all this energy. But it is different, you know, when you're in an in game situation, and maybe that's what the disconnect is. I don't know, but. It's something they need to try that. Try something different because whatever whatever okay. drills they got going right now ain't working. I was gonna say one thing. One thing I was gonna say real quick. One thing with Job from the free throw line to me, it doesn't seem like he always shoots them the same way. His form is not consistent on from the free throw line. Like he and I've noticed that before, and I was thinking maybe that's maybe it's just me, but it doesn't seem like he always has the same lift on his shot the way he shoots it. A lot of that, I guess, that could be tired. I mean, his usage is so high, like you put him on the free throw line late in games. He, a lot of times he's just made some crazy athletic play at the rim and then he's going straight to the free throw line. A lot of that might have to do with it, but it doesn't seem like he's super consistent 
with his form or, or his arm angle when he shoots free throws. I haven't caught that. I, I have to uh, kind of pay attention. Yeah, it, a it, little it, bit more. it's something I noticed. Yeah. It's it's light, but but I noticed it more, especially when he's tired. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it might just be that he's just tired. Because again, a lot of most of the time when he's going to the free throw line, he's just jumped up and, and got fouled by three people. Like it ran into a wall. So I'm sure he's tired by the time he, when he's going to the line because he's making these super athletic plays at the rim and getting knocked out of the air and stuff. And so uh, I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with it. But yeah, it does seem like he just has different lift on his shot at different times. Sometimes it's super smooth. Sometimes it's just kind of like he just kind of throws him up there sometimes. So I, I think a lot of that could have to do with, with his fatigue level. Yeah. May I, you know, his, his free throw percentage is down from last year. He's shooting more free throws to me. I, I think that that would be the number one area that I would want to see growth from him because of the way that he plays, you know that you're going to get to the free yeah, throw line. Yeah, he's got to, got to, got to knock down his shots from the free throw and, line because he's going to get fouled. Yeah, and big games, it's gonna, it's gonna make a difference. It's gonna matter, and you know, moving that from the seventy four percent up to closer to eighty percent, what would be a bump in scoring, and I think it, it adds a couple wins to this team pretty easily if he's shooting eighty percent from the free throw line. And I know that that's a big growth, but it's also not impossible. You know, there there are guys that you can, you know, you got guys on the coaching staff. There are shooting coaches. There are a lot of things that you can do to work on improving your game. Maybe that that is kind of something that he's working on. And it, you know, he does a lot of his work in the dark. So I'm not trying to imply that that's not something that he's putting time in on. But maybe the fatigue thing is something you know, like he needs the weight because I I know a lot of times. I would go out and the first thing I would do is start shooting free throws, just kind of get get the get the rhythm down a little bit and like, okay, I knocked down about six or seven free throws in a row and now I'll start moving around. And your muscles are different. After you've played 30 minutes and been knocked to the floor and bumping and banging the entire game, there there's a massive difference than two minutes into the first quarter taking your free throw and 30 seconds left in the game after you've been in a war. Yeah. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, I, I I think it's possible, David. You mentioned that eighty percent. I mean, he was shooting at the beginning of the year. We've seen it. They it it didn't last that long, but it, we have seen it. So I, I think he's putting in the work. But I maybe it, even as the season goes along, it seems to have kind of decreased. Yeah, he, he's streaky. I uh, mean, I talked about that a lot last year. He's either it's usually one or the other. It's usually not a lot of in between. Usually he's at a point where he's making them all, or and then there, there's other times where he's several games where he's missing them. And that's just seems to be the case that I, I don't know what it is, but again, man, it, it can cost you uh, when you get in these close games in the playoffs, you have to be able to, be able to knock them down. Um, and I mean, that's the issue. It's going to be, that's kind of the question mark about Steven Adams. When you're in the playoff game, do you, do you keep him on the floor? Do you take him off the floor? Because I mean, there's the offensive rebound and things that he does are big for you, but, you know teams are going to foul him, put him on the free throw line. If you can't knock him down, it kind of makes it hard to play him in those situations. So, that I mean, that's a concern uh, for this team, I think, all the way around. And a lot of people try to just blame it on Stephen Adams. It's not just Stephen Adams, man. This is a team issue uh, when it comes to their free throw shooting. One thing so, that – oh, go ahead. So, I, I, I have a player as an example that went from a poor free throw shooter at high volume – to an above average free throw shooter at high volume. That's Brandon Ingram. And his three seasons with LA, he shot 62%, 68%, 68%, 
on three attempts, five attempts, six attempts. When he went to New Orleans, put in work in the offseason, six attempts a game, 85%. The year two in New Orleans, uh, five attempts a game, 88%. Year three in New Orleans, six attempts a game, 83%. And then this year, he's been injured. He's only played 15 games, but he's shooting five attempts from the free throw line at 87%. So it's not unheard of for a player to make a jump. 5% is a big jump. But it's not impossible for him to do. John Morant has the talent. Whether we ever see that jump happen or not is yet to be seen. I don't want to keep harping on free throws. I think we've covered it. And I know that you were coming in with something else that you want to say, so I'm not going to try and close it before you get a chance to say what you need to say. So go ahead, Candace. Yeah, well, well first, can, can you find that coach from Brandon Ingram? Uh, can we find that coach? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I bet we can look at yeah, We need him. Yeah, we need I, I guarantee you. Let's get if, a name. We, if we put that out on Twitter, that somebody will know exactly who that is, and maybe even <laughs> one of our listeners will know who that is. But yeah, like it, it can be done. I need a name. Okay. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was, you know, uh, looking at the schedule down the stretch, uh, they're going to have a really tough March and April, and I'm really excited for that stretch because they're going to have to play a lot of like the Warriors back to back, Dallas back to back, a lot of a lot of tough teams half court type teams uh, or, or you know, playoff at least type teams that uh that expose the Grizzlies' weaknesses. And I think by the time they get to the playoffs, we're going to know what kind of team this is. We're going to know if they're good. We're going to know if they're going to be ready to compete or not. Um, by the time they go through that gauntlet, it this may be a very unpopular opinion. But honestly, if it was up to me, I wish every team would play the Grizzlies like that. I know it's not as fun. I know they don't get up and down the court and all these high-flying dunks. But man, it would force Taylor Jenkins' hand, and, and maybe March and April will be enough. But I would love nothing more to start that now. Like have these teams force the Grizzlies into half court offense, force Taylor Jenkins to come up with something, more versatile lineups, different rotations, all of it, <laughs> just so we can really, just so they can really get the practice. Because um, I think from the top down. They're, they're going to need that experience and uh, the experience that they've gotten so far just doesn't seem to be enough. Um, they see more regular season stuff like that. We'll see if it happens. If they, if they have real designs on winning the championship, man, they're going to have to, that, that's, that's what it's going to take. Uh, I mean, you, you got to make free throws and they're going to have to be able to execute out of the, out of the half court. You just have to, you're not, you're not going to win. You're not going to win a championship playing up and down basketball. It's just not, not going to happen um because teams are, are going to scheme to to slow you down and if they're making shots that makes it even even harder and you're not when you're playing really good teams they're not going to be missing a ton of shots all the time where you can just get the ball and run it's just not going to happen in the playoffs and just got to be better um the tough stretch like Candace said down the stretch they're going to play a lot of teams and I'm sure these teams are going to be jockeying for positions so I mean you got the Pelicans late and you all already know that's going to be a big game down in New Orleans um, I think they played Boston late as well. You got mm-hmm. the Warriors twice. You got, I think, three with Dallas, I want to say, in a, in a short short period of time. So, yeah, I mean, we got we to gotta figure out what t- kind of team this is uh, down the stretch. And hopefully by the end, man, they have time to work through some things and they'll be playing playing the top basketball because that's what you want going to the playoffs. But uh, you've got to see it. And like uh, David hinted, it looks like they might have Danny Green 
I might want to start taking bets on when he's going to come back. I mean, I was really surprised yeah. to see him in a shoot-around. I know he's been doing five-on-five, five, but I thought they may have him doing that for like a month. Yeah, he said post-All-Star break, but it, uh, looking at that last night, it like it might be even earlier than that uh, from the way he was looking last night. It looked like he might be close to ready to go. Like, we know how cautious they are. Like it, But last night, it looked like, honestly, that he might be able to play. Uh, so we'll we'll see. I mean, I think if he's if he's healthy, he could be big for this team down the stretch. I mean, that's a a trade addition. But like I said, I've always taken a wait and see approach with him because you still he's thirty five. He's coming off a ACL, LCL, not even a year removed because this happened in the playoffs last year, and we're yeah. talking January, February. So it's not even been a been a year. I mean, he's not a guy that's super athletic and going to be doing anything crazy anyway. But I mean, those are that's a tough those are tough injuries to come back even for a young guy. So for a guy 35, that's that's tough. So I'm gonna take the wait and see approach. Hopefully he is able to contribute. But I, I, a lot of people are putting these expectations on him, like he's gonna come in and be the savior. I, I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, nah, it's, it's, it's gonna affect look. lateral movement, man. You know, he, uh, yeah, like, people people are thinking like he's 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 not gonna be a you know he's not an explosive guy. So it's like oh well he's not gonna be as explosive. Well, Danny Green, I don't know that at any point in his career you could you would give him that kind of moniker, but you know, to to be the defender that Danny Green yeah. is, you gotta be he's got to be quick laterally. And if that's not 100% healthy, you definitely don't want to rush him back. Yeah, because you, I mean, you hear people like the fan base, and when they talk about him, there's a lot of people expecting like he's going to come in and average 15 points a game or something. The way they're talking about him. And I'm like, man, pump the brakes on that a little bit, man. That's a, those, those are two traumatic injuries. And then he did, this guy is 35 years old. Like, I love what he's doing, being in the locker room and everything, but like if you mentioned like possibly moving him in a deal for even talking about Gary Trent, like I think Danny Green is better than Gary Trent. I'm like, bro, I mean, I you just hear some wild stuff, man. When 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 you talk to people, like I said, I hope he comes in and, and is at peace because they could really use that shooting. Um, I, I think his ability to shoot and play defense, if he's right, will, will definitely help them because he's a playoff battle tested player and he's the type of when you look at this team weaknesses. If he's healthy, he's he can he can fix some of those issues or help fix them. Um, anyway, so we'll see. But looks like he's, he's he's close to being on the way back, man. Look look like he's moving around pretty well last night, and when they showed the started video pregame, they generally don't let players do well. At least with Desmond Bain's case, it was like a, a week or a half maybe after we first saw him do shoot around. It may I'm sure it'll be a little bit longer than that, just because of the injuries com- he's coming back from. But um, I mean, I expect to. To, for him to look piss poor for at least about a month and a half when he first comes in, but maybe by the time they get to that March April stretch, maybe maybe uh they will really get a glimpse of what he can provide for the team. Well, I know not last year, but the year before when Jaron was coming back from his injury, we got to see him warming up pregame yeah. quite <laughs> a few times. Like it was, he was warming up pregame. It's like early. in January. Yeah, and then like it didn't didn't come back for a while, and so it was. I don't know. I would love it if he came back sooner rather than later because you need to build chemistry on the court with the guys, and you need to get in basketball shape. So sooner rather than later would be great. But I'm also not going to get my hopes up because in the preseason uh, media day, all indications were post All Star break. I thought he said pre. He he did himself. I think mean, he was on a podcast. Oh, did it? Oh, so yeah, like, he did. He said, "Yeah, he said, he said." The, the the understanding from 
training camp was that it was going to be post-All-Star break, but he's been saying lately pre-All-Star break. Uh, I think he said on ESPN the other day, he, he was talking like it could so be dude, well, a week from now. Weeks, so man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the way he was talking. So we'll okay. see. I mean, they could definitely use him. Like, I, I, I agree with Candace. I don't think he's just going to come out and be some revelation coming off off that injury. But a lot of people seem to think that. Like, they're super against even the thought of that you could bring anybody else in that could give you more than he's going to give you this season. Like, I, and I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting to see. I'm hoping that he can do that because skill set wise, he can. We just don't know if he is still that guy or can he be that guy with the short amount of time that, that he'll have left to, to kind of get in a game shape and kind of work his way in with this, with this team. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. This front office has been weird with, not weird, different with injuries. Uh, I, I'm sure you guys maybe heard about Desmond Bain. His toe still is like, he's just playing on it. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, says the pain tolerance type thing. Yeah. Like oh, my understanding is like possible surgery in the off season. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and that's my question. I've, is it something that he can make worse or re-injure? That's been my question about it because it seemed like it would be, but you wouldn't think that they'd just be playing him wide regularly with big-time minutes if that was the case. Um, but it just seems like I've done some research on the injury and the fact, the fact that it's still painful and he's probably going to have off-season surgery, it seems weird to me that him playing on it wouldn't have any effect on it. Maybe it doesn't, but it, it just seems weird to me. That's one concern I've had, and I've talked about that on Twitter, and people are like, oh, you're just being, being negative. He's fine, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, man, that's if he goes down, that's catastrophic for this team. So you don't, I mean, that's, that's, you don't want him to re-injure that so and have to end up being out for the rest of the year because you got a big-time problem then. Yeah, I, as cautious as this team has been. But that, that's what I'm thinking. Like, there's no way. Stuff, Ooh, are they as like, cautious as they used to be is what I'm asking. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I can't answer that, but uh, – I wanna. I'm gonna try Everybody to be glad, glass half full on this one and be like, "Hey, as cautious as they have been with everything else, hopefully yeah. they're being that cautious with that." And it's just something the doctors have told them. Hey, he can go out there and play on it. When we get in there, and we have to do surgery. There may be some extra stuff that we have to do, but he's not really gonna do any more damage to it. Let him go play. Like not, I think nothing. The big that, that three is getting do. the dot treatment now. The whole big three. We saw Jaron come back way early in the time. Yeah, because I that, I was surprised that Jaron came back as early as he did. I didn't expect that at all. I thought for sure we were talking, thinking Christmas, talking Christmas, January with him, and he came back quickly. Um, it's usually in the in years past, it's just been job, but it it does seem like with the big three now that they they're they're treating those guys differently. Um, uh, because I, because <laughs> you see some of the some of the times that some some of the stuff that's happened with job. In the past, if, if there was anybody else, they would have been out three months. Like, there's no way. And Josh come back in the same game. He's back in. I'm like, it's crazy. Like, I remember that yeah. ankle injury he had. What was that last year? He's back in, like, I, two games. It was this year. <laughs> it was, yeah, he did, did have one. He, well, I think he had one this yeah. year and last came, year. Came back with high it. tops on. Yeah, high yeah tops with the high tops. three games. Oh about God, three games. Game. He right back to the wreck, to the mid. My guy missed <laughs> one game and came back. I was like, yeah. what? Because people thought he was going to be missing, like, weeks. They may came back, like, missed one game. Like man, they escalated. Yeah, uh, I never, never forget how fast they escalated the injury report. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went from out to like yeah. the same day. Yeah, it was nuts. All right, guys, I, I think we're good. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. You can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will two one. 
You can find me at Twitter at CandiceH901. Isaac, take us out. Yeah, man, the Grizzlies continue uh, this five-game road trip uh, with a weird – man, they play the Suns. This is the second time this week and the fourth meet. It's kind of been a weird series. Uh, the Grizzlies go to Phoenix, blow them out. Uh, Phoenix comes to Memphis, blow them out. And then the Grizzlies earlier this week uh, blew them off the, off the floor back at FedEx Forum. So this is going to be the fourth meeting uh, for, for this series for the year. The Grizzlies can win the season series 3-1 with a victory. They've also missed Devin Booker in all four games, which has been weird. This, this has been a weird series overall uh, for them this year. But hopefully they can, can win that series 3-1. Tough back-to-back on Monday with Sacramento. Uh, then you got the big one with the Warriors on Wednesday. You close out the road trip Friday at the Timberwolves, which is, I- I'm sure for them, they kind of still look at the Grizzlies as a rivalry. I don't know if the Grizzlies kind of look at them that way, but they're going to play super hard in that game. So four tough games coming up, man. We'll see if they can bounce back after a really tough loss last night. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac double underscore NBA, I-S-A-A-C double underscore NBA. We'll definitely be back. Uh, either tomorrow, Sunday night or early next week with a, a post game uh, following the Suns game uh, or maybe we'll do a two-parter with the Kings game as well uh, so be on the lookout for that so Grizzly uh, for David Candace Zyla Pippen until next time we gone. and that will conclude our Sports Ethos presentation You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.